0: To each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass
1: of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or sabre a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, we return to Winfabet Street where the letter of the day is H. I was so excited for this episode. Anytime I can talk about Spanish region or grape variety, I am happy which is one of the reasons why I decided to go through the Spanish Wine Scholar program. For the letter H, we chose Hondurubi Zuri from the autonomous region of Pais Vasco. Seen on the label as Chocolai, the white grape variety is a slightly sparkling, very dry white wine with high acidity and low alcohol. And who would we ask to be our special guest? Of course, Rick Fisher, the Spanish wine guy. So please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Did you know you can do it literally right now while you're listening? New ratings and reviews are how the algorithms decide the podcast they recommend to others. And if you love the podcast, other wine lovers will too. And don't forget to add your email address on the website to keep up with all things exploring the wine glass. Salancha. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, Spanish wine scholar, Day service, champagne and on specialist, and a WSET Level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. Stay in the know about all things wine by visiting my website, exploringthewineglass.com. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy 2023. Yes. Cheers. Exciting to be back with Wine for Street. We took a little break over the holidays uh, because, well, you know, everybody's busy over the holidays. (laughs) But we are back in 2023 with a great variety that I think everybody is going to be so excited to learn about. I know I am. And it is Anderabi, underabi Zuri. Did I say that correctly, Rick? Very, or very think... close. <laughs> right. And if we are talking Spain and Spanish grades, <sighs> who, of course, are we going to go to? But we are going to go to the Spanish wine guy, Rick Fisher. So welcome, Rick. Welcome. Thank you.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: And happy Earth 2023, Earth 2023 Earth. to you. Likewise. And yes, and um, this is officially my. This will be my first full year of being a Spanish wine scholar. Yay!
2: Congrats again.
1: <laughs> Yay! I was a nervous wreck, studied my butt <laughs> off, <laughs> and passed with honors. And I'm so ex- I'm so thrilled to have done that. And a very quick plug the program is incredible. So everybody should check it out. The The, the program was absolutely incredible. For me, Rick was the difference, because I don't think I would have done anywhere near as well if I just was reading a book and doing things on my own. But to have those weekly sessions to be able to ask questions with you, Rick, was outrageous for me. So stellar program. I would stand up, but then you can see I'm wearing pajama bottoms. So. <laughs>
0: And
1: I were talking about having no <laughs> pants on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta love these things. Anyway, welcome everybody to Wine for Street. I am your co host, Lori. I am owner of Dracina Wines and Paso Robles. I am a wine writer, wine educator, wine podcaster, uh, all under exploring the wine glass. Uh, and I am excited
0: to be here and start 2023 with the letter H and my co-host, Debbie. I'm Debbie G. Aquindo. I'm known as the Hudson Valley Wine Goddess. I'm a wine writer, wine educator, an author of Tapping the Hudson Valley. I'm a certified uh, certified specialist of wine, wine location specialist in Port and Champagne, and a certified cherry wine specialist. And I'm partner in a restaurant in North Wildwood, New Jersey called Trio. North Wildwood, and I could have left something out, but that's about it. I I can handle right now. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) And our special guest, Rick Fisher.
2: Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, My name is Rick Fisher. I am the Spanish Programs Director for the Wine Scholar Guild, and you heard uh, Lori talk about the Spanish Wine Scholar Program. I created the program. Uh, It's been taught. Uh, by over, been teaching it for about three and a half years, and we've had more than 1,200 people go through the program, uh, which is so fun for me. Um, as a matter of fact, um, we're teaching it in Malaga in April this year. Nice. So I'm going to be teaching it uh, for a week in Malaga, so that's going to be a lot of fun. But I am, um, uh, as in 2021, I finished my diploma with WSET. Um, I'm a certified educator for uh, Rioja, Cava, and Sherry. Uh, wine judge, wine writer, we all have a long list of stuff, but we, you know, ultimately it comes down to talking about wine because that's what we love to do.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And of course, drinking it.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we're going to go to Elmo here.
2: I don't know how you guys can sit there straight-faced and watch that
1: thing. <laughs> and every time, it, I think Debbie sees it new every time, because they the stupid program people keep changing the program I use to make it. So I have to keep doing, find new ways to kind of do it. But it's, so cute. Cool? it's so
2: cute, but I was trying not to giggle during the... <laughs>
1: he's so cute and you know elmo is all about education and that's what wine for bed street is all about so that's right fun and
0: education
1: yes so i'm excited i have my glass of on the Robbie, i have my glass <laughs> and raise it and i will say slancha and happy cheers Salud. Ugh, yum oh wow, wow. yum
2: yum. Woo! zippy yeah
1: uh, yes Beat me to it. Definitely zippy. So like that is like a punch of citrus fruit in your mouth. I'm salivating.
0: I got a lot of salinity in mine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So good. So amazing. So let's get into learning about this grape variety. Well, let's talk about Undorati Zuri's, which is actually the main grape variety, as you were saying, in Pais Vasco, uh, which is also in Spain. So can you give us a little information about País Vasco like where it is what its climate like and you know the the autonomous region itself
2: Yeah so and so País Vasco or Basque country uh, as it's translated is one of Spain's 17 autonomous regions and it's situated on the northern coast of Spain it's uh it's part of what they call green Spain because it's really rainy and it's really super green so green Spain all the way from the western coast, from Galicia to Asturias, Cantabria, and then to Pais Vasco. Pais Vasco um, is actually located, part of it, it borders France, uh, and then in the north you have the Bay of Biscay, okay, which is technically part of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Climatically, as I mentioned, it's very wet, and so it is definitely a maritime climate, uh, parts of, of the Basque Country actually have some of the highest rainfall in all of Spain, and um, and País Vasco is actually three different provinces uh, that that uh, that uh, make the make it up. But technically, Basque Country is there are seven provinces, and so three provinces in País Vasco: Navarra, which is the neighbor to the west. Was all is also a Basque um, region, and then three provinces in southwestern France. Um, uh, in, in one of the regions, there is a that um, that is actually that's Basque. So a lot of the there's a lot of overlap in in grape and 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 some of that kind of stuff when you're talking about Basque country.
0: And it's kind of cool that it's in the two different countries. Yeah, I never I never knew it was part in spring and, yeah, um, and
2: one of the fun things yes. about about the Basque the Basque country too is there's a book that I highly recommend. It's called A Basque History of the World, and and it talks about um, I think the author I think is Mark Kurlansky, and um, they talk about the Basque people and and they're I mean technically nobody knows the origins of their language. There's no uh, connection to any written language that we have. And the people are actually believed to have been the first people to occupy Western Europe, and so I mean they're, I mean they're obviously I mean like like other parts of Spain like the Catalans or whatever I mean they're very proud and whatnot, but they're just a fascinating it's a fascinating region, fascinating people. As we go through today, and you know we talk about the the wines and the food, it's just it's an amazing amazing place. So,
0: awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so well, I've honored Zorabi Zuri is also known as chocolatey. Um, now things that I read there was chocolate was a DO, there was like three different DOs, different parts of chocolate. <clears throat> but why do they label it chocolate rather than just the name of the grape, a Zorabi Zuri?
2: Yeah, it, it's a great, I, I mean, think it, it confuses people, it, it probably does, and it's a really good question, Debbie. In, in many ways it's no different than a lot of people saying that Rioja is a grape, you know?
0: Sure. And,
2: and so, um, technically Hondra is not, um, is, it's not the same as Chocoli. Hondra is the grape Chocoli is the wine style. Okay. And So it is technically a style. It is actually the name, um, of three, uh, regions. So you've got, um, uh, Guitariaku, Chocolina, mm-hmm. Biscayco Chacolina and Arabaco Chacolina. Exactly. I have the cats. And, and they are, I mean, they're all they're list they're always on the label right. in some some way, shape, or form. Um, and so the 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 name chocolate is actually really believed to have originated from a Basque word um Echacoa, which basically means made at home. And so chocolate was a style of wine or is a style of wine that was generally made made at home um and and if you if you visit uh the Basque country like places like in particular like San Sebastian on the northern coast or Bilbao or some of those kind of uh guitaria and you go into these these uh taverns or these these pinchos bars or whatever a lot of times you see that they'll have these huge tanks and they'll actually pour the chocolate so I mean these were like made at home wines they're they they were you know very artisan styled wines now and they've they've gained tremendous popularity around the world, in particular in the U.S. because um, they're like you know what do we call it, a porch pounder.
0: Yes, yes, Same I can up. see that. Yeah, in, is there any differences on the three different types of chocolate? Yeah,
2: Yes, so, I mean, so it it really depends. So in um in in the three the two coastal ones are Biscayco and getariaco um they sit on the coast so they're they tend to be very very similar they both have a lot more of the same influences and then the third province so the two provinces sit at the top and then the the oliva province sits below it as a matter of fact part of rioja is in the oliva province and, um, but the 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 chocolate region is at the north part of that province. And so Arabaco Chocolina. Um There it tends to be a little more continental. So it's a little drier. Um, the wines tend to be a little bit fuller. Um, and, uh, and so, but generally the wines are, are similarly influenced. Most of the vast majority of wines that we see in the States are from the two northern ones. They're the two biggest producers by far. I, I think I've only seen a couple of... Of wines from Arabaco um, in okay.
1: the U.S. And you you said that the that the name itself is thought to have been a Basque a Basque name. Um, is it is it native to Pais Vasco or can it is it grown in other regions in Spain also?
2: <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a really um, that's a very loaded question, um, Laurie. <laughs> We're good at that. In, in that. that, <laughs> in that uh, Hondurabi, and, and you'll you'll see it pronounced and written in two different ways. You'll see it as Hondurabi Zuri or Honduribi Zuri. Both are are technically are used. And Jantus Robinson uses Honduribi Zuri. Um, so that's you know we kind of use her as you know the wine grape says the Bible, um, <clears throat> but the grape itself is not even technically a grape. It was named after um, the town of Honduribia. And it's the, it was the primary white grape that was grown in this area. And, and when they started to do a lot of research and DNA uh, research on these grapes, Hondri bizuri is actually um, Corbeau Blanc from southwestern France. And so, ah. um, so there's, I mean, there, it, it's interesting because there's another grape um, in the Chakali regions uh, called Hondri bizuri Zeratia. And that's Petit Corbu. and so you've got these these uh, connections. But you know, everybody refers to the grapes because even though they are DNA technically exactly the same grape, they still refer to them in Spain by their by their you know their synonym as Hondri Buzuri. And there's also a red grape too, um, un, completely unrelated,
1: like, named <laughs> named
2: after the town.
1: And that that is, I mean. I think Americans, we like our things nice and simple, right? We like cab cab salve, you know, <laughs> Chardonnay. Um, I think we get confused very easily and people shy away from it. And that's what, like, Debbie was saying earlier is, like, she, you know, the concept that, like, this on the front label does not say on the Suri at all, mm-hmm. right? It's got the Chattarico... Chocolini, but then on yeah, TV, my mine like, doesn't
0: either. You have to read the back of the bottle, yeah. and then the back says is about One hundred percent, right? One hundred. But people don't know, right? So yeah. they they see Spanish white. What is this? It's Chocoli.
2: Yeah.
0: If they can even pronounce it, because it, exactly, and, and, the that's the a, plain, and that's
2: a that's a great point. And I
0: mean, the pronunciation, and is it a region? Is hmm. it a grape? You know. But that's what we're here for to tell yeah. you all about mm-hmm. it. And, 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 and,
2: and that's one of the things that, that does make, you know, I mean, this, you know, Spain is, you know, the, the Basque country is not unique to anywhere else in the world right? in doing the, in, in confusing people, you know, with that. And so I think they've kind of rallied around the the concept of Chacoli because it differentiates them from, you know, every other place and every other, even, even these grapes, Corbu Blanc and Petit Corbu in in southwestern france you know because <clears throat> those grapes you know tend to be made more in the traditional white style whereas here i mean you guys have both tasted these now that lighter fresher zippier more saline
1: mm-hmm. you know
2: style of wine
1: is is there a consortium for them
2: there's there are three
1: the each, individual they each have each their own
2: province own. has their own oh. um Consejo Regulador. Exactly. Okay.
1: And so it's a very okay. low alcohol. Mine is 11. Debbie, you said yours is
0: 11.
2: 11.5. Okay. Mine's 11 is, also.
1: Is that a regulation within? No, Al- not,
2: not necessarily. Um, okay. I mean, I believe the minimum, they do have to meet at least 10 and a half, I believe. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I'm almost positive that's the case. But um, but generally this, you know, the, the style... You know uh, the reason why it tends to be lower alcohol. I mean, there's a couple of reasons, in the fact that you know the grapes take you know are, are it's difficult to ripen the grapes in in this really in
1: the climate right in
2: this climate, and so you tend to have grapes with higher acidity um, because you know when they're picked, and uh, and then the way that they actually process it. I mean, they're processed generally in stainless steel, um, and then uh, the, uh, to get that that um, effervescence in there they generally stop, they, they, they actually um, close the tank, the fermentation tanks on the stainless steel right before fermentation is complete to help um, hold in that residual CO2. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. And
2: so some producers, I mean, I would say these are definitely like maybe producers we don't see bottled because they're not high, the high quality ones, will pump CO2 to give a little bit of that. But quality wines like the ones that we're drinking, it's part of it's part of the winemaking process where they're actually able to capture that final residual CO2 that gives you that kind of, you know, effervescent uh, frizzy kind of kind of uh, notes. Very cool. So I was going to show before we go and I was going to I was telling Debbie beforehand I and mean, they brought a couple of props with me. Um and I I always think these are really fun, especially if you're going to drink chocolate. So there there are in, in the chocolate region, this is, they use these little spouts, these little pourers, because what happens is chocolate. One of the things that happens with chocolate, when you generally, when you pour it, like if you're in a tavern in the Basque country, they, they will open a spout and hit the glass, like with the, the shooting wine, or they'll pour from a high, um, uh their arm up high because when the when the wine hits the glass it helps to aerate it and creates more of those bubbles and so what they've done is they've created these little spouts now this this one's a little a little small for this this one so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna act i'm gonna hold it but generally what they do is when they pour is they pour like this so it allows so you can see that that fizzy and it kind of creates that uh you know that 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 idea of when, of when pouring I was in, I was in the bass country last year at a producer and we did the whole thing with, they opened the tank and you had a glass up next to it and you hold your glass all the way out while they're still, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> it's so cool.
1: <laughs> now this, this isn't the region that has the special glass too, is it?
0: Um,
2: they do use, I should have brought one. I've got one in the kitchen. It, it looks more like um <clears throat> It, it's like a like a highball glass. Okay. Round and it's real thin glass, but it's just a round glass and and it it has a a wide a wider base than like a traditional okay. wine glass does. So it hit when it's hitting the bottom. You might be thinking the other region is Ribeiro, which has the same glasses but they're really short.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Um but in Chugaley they're they're kind of a tall tall like a highball and the way that they would drink them which is really fun is they would generally would drink, um, you know, they would drink something and then they, they would pass it to somebody else and they would turn the glass and they would, you know, so like three or four people are drinking off the same glass, but in a different spot, right. they would leave a little bit left in the bottom of the glass. And the last person would take the glass and swirl it and throw it out. And that would clean the rim with the remaining wine um, so that you could pour again and start okay. over again.
0: And that was all pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now there's
2: straws. No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, do you? Oh, Deb. I'm sorry. It's you again. I'm off. It. I'm okay. off. I'm off tilt tonight. I'm sorry. You are
0: off tilt. Do we? Well, no, actually, it's you. But um, <clears throat> name, Did we discuss the name of the grape? Yes. Where it yes. came from? Okay, that's what we. That's where we all. We, when we off, went off on tangents. I, I'm <laughs> I, I'm sorry.
2: I, I am so I'm so easy to take somebody down a rabbit hole. So uh, you, you, have to, you have to just kind of pull so, that out again. The Rabbit so,
0: holes are
1: awesome. I'm big with the squirrels. Squirrels. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the daddy? Who are the parents?
0: Do we know? Do we know who the parents of these grapes are? Do they have any type of origin or? Um,
2: I actually, uh, I I actually tried to research that, and of course, there, the I had to be. I was looking for Corbu Blanc, and there's, I mean, I couldn't find any anything yeah. that um, that mentioned DNA. I mean, Jancis has nothing about it. I mean, researching it, I couldn't find a data. Yeah, I couldn't anyone. either. I mean, which is crazy. Um, now. If you're looking at, and we, I know we talked a little bit at the beginning about the red grape, and mm-hmm. Belta, and Belta means, Zuri, so Zuri means white right. in the Basque language. And so Honduribia was the town, Zuri is white, and then the same for Honduribia, and then Belta is red in, in, uh, in the Basque language. And so that uh, is a little different. We do um, know one of the parents, and that is Cabernet Franc. Of uh Hundri B Belza, and as a huge fan of, of uh, Cabernet Franc, it's really fun. And I actually had a bottle to show you guys. Um, this is uh, it's a little hard because of the mm-hmm. of the, but you can. And so this is a producer Donien Gorondona, um, and they had they do this is a hundred percent um B Belza, and you do get those herbal, you know, Cab Franc notes. It's the really fun, super fun wines. Oh. And I, I highly encourage, you know, sometimes this is where the rabbit hole becomes a benefit where you start hunting for these <laughs> kinds of things. And there, are um, it's, it's really, but that, I mean, the, the, I mean, Cab Franc is, is a parent to so many um, he around. grapes.
0: He did he get around. around. Yeah,
2: he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually, it's, it's a really, um, it's fun to be able to see that, that influence because, you know, we, I mean, we have our, our we have borders now, but what were borders, you right. know, I mean, the Pyrenees mountains it, when you got over the Pyrenees and you were somewhere else, you know, it yeah. wasn't technically France and Spain, or maybe it was at some point, but, you know, and so it's fun it to see cool. that with those grapes, but to the white grapes, nah.
1: <laughs> wow. It, is it, do we see it any place else? Can we get this in the United States? Not not the wine,
0: the grapes.
2: Um I have not. I'm trying to think because being in California there's always somebody trying to do something different. Right. And um I mean I'm seeing producers now growing Mencía, growing Godello, growing
0: Wow.
2: Yeah, I yeah.
0: Um You know, not for anything but just talking about where this grape grows. I'm wondering, and I'm going to bring this up to some people in the Hudson Valley. I wonder if this will grow well in the Hudson Valley with the proximity to the Atlantic ocean and the water. And
2: Yeah. If you have that really 90. strong maritime climate. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, it, and, it, and I think, it, or I think, Island. It's, probably, I think it's probably a good call, Debbie, because I mean, if you look at, I mean, there, the, the parts of the Basque country get snow um, well, Albarino and, grows
0: really well in the Hudson Valley. Yeah. Matt from Benmaro, our fjord grows in Albarino. And it's really good.
1: And I'm picky. Try, I, I mean, I'm very that.
0: critical. No, I'll, <laughs> have
2: try, I'll have to try that because I really, I mean, one of the things that I love to do is to see Spanish grapes being grown in the U.S. And I'll send you a bottle.
0: I, I might have a bottle. I and mean, he had, he, um, he has it sparkling, but it's not released, but I have a bottle of that. Okay. But I'll get with him and I'll
2: That'd be cool. I mean, but it's, but it's fun. It but but to your point, uh Lori, I, I haven't seen this grape planted anywhere in the US. Um that doesn't mean somebody's doesn't what? have an acre or a half an acre, you know, hidden somewhere. Yeah. I'm sh-
1: I'm sure somebody is playing. Oh, it, I'm it, sure. The same. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, all right. So in general, like we talked about what we tasted a little bit. We'll go a little further into it, but like Zippy comes to mind, you yep. know, the citrus, the, the salinity, or is that, you know, you talked a little bit about the two, the two different um, DOs that are up more North and then the one that's down in the Continental. But if you had to describe this to somebody who has never tasted it before What would you say would be a general characteristic that they can expect? And is there potentially a grape variety they're more familiar with that might be, oh, it's if you like this, you might like Zuri?
2: That's a great question. Um, So first off, easily enough, I mean, and you can as soon as you taste it, you get it's crisp, it's refreshing, it's high acid. I mean, it's like, it is like, you know, teeth gnawing acidity, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And, and I, you know, the, I mean, I'm, now I'm drinking a a rosado, which is 50% zuri and 50% belza. But you, but even here, I still get um, the floral, there's floral notes. I mean, generally in the ones you guys have will be white flowers. Um, There are notes of citrus and saline in particular because them both being so close to i mean a lot of the I mean, a lot of the vineyards i mean basically are are to the edge of of the of the cliffs where you know where the bay of biscay is and i remember the the producer that i visited we walked through their vineyards and and you just hear that you could hear the the waves crashing wow. you know um and these and these grapes are these vines are sitting right there at the edge. Um, But those, you know, you get those, they're really super mineral driven, the, the, the white and the rosé both because they're both made the same way. But in a a great, well, great. I'm sorry. And and then something that I would say probably like a really light, a lighter styled Chenin Blanc. Okay. Um, maybe because of that really refreshing acidity and the minerality. Um, or or even if you're staying in Spain, I would go to the other coast and I'd go to, go to Albariño, you know. I mean, I think that because of those, you get more, you get those saline notes. Mm-hmm. Those tend to be a little fuller body than these. Obviously, these are like super light. Very um, light. Which, which is like we were talking earlier yeah. that, um, I mean, this is like a, a bottle of water.
0: That's just waiting
2: to be consumed,
0: <laughs> right? Absolutely. And so it's, I- it's very refreshing, especially. I mean, here we are in the middle of winter, but on a hot summer day, mm-hmm. okay.
2: it's a great pool wine too. So yeah, um, you know we we always have um, I always have a, a five or six bottles of chocolate, especially I- springtime. Spring <laughs> <laughs> have you been, you got a camera going on here or what? <laughs>
1: um,
2: but I mean, it's always, cause it's such a, it's such a great wine. Um, and it's super light. You don't, you know, you don't feel, it doesn't fill you up. It doesn't feel, you know, I don't know. There's just something about it. That's so unique to any wine in the world that, um, you know, so.
1: I, I kind of correlated to, although I don't know how common this is either, but. Uh, a prettier pick pool.
2: Yeah, I can see that.
1: I can see that too. Yeah, you know, because to me, I mean, and I love pick pool, but to me, pick pool is very one dimensional. It's got the acid, it's light, it's that citrusy is in there, but this is a more feminine version. It's it's got the acidity in it, but it and it it is zippy, but it's not that lipstinger that that pick pool is. And it's just the, the white flowers that are in here, the, you know, and the more salinity to me, it makes me think of a, a prettier, a more, you know, sexy pick pool.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think Chuckley Lee would, would, uh, would gladly don the, the, the term sexy. So um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, awesome. So why don't you tell us about what you are tasting? Because you sure. you you have the two and are they are they married together frequently?
2: Uh for rosado, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and, and this particular producer um is um so this is Amas Toy. Um I mean really truly one of one of the 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 country's and one of the region's best chocolatey producers. Um this is their rosado and then this is their uh, their white. This one's hundred percent Andre Missouri. And then as I mentioned before, this is a 50, 50 with the, the red grape and Andre Missouri. Um, it's, it's a, and everything is, it's farmed uh, organically. Um, they're using indigenous yeast uh, in, in the fermentation process and uh, they hand harvest all the grapes I mean, it's, and you kind of have to, in this, in these, this, this is from Getariaco, So on the coast and these vineyards that grow on the coast, they generally grow in, in a, in a pergola system, but not a, not the same pergola that you tend to see in Ria Spicius, where in Ria Spicius, you see these pillars and these wires that go cross across Mm -hmm. the top. And um, the, the way that these pergolas are, is they're kind of more like this, and so they grow up, and the grapes hang from the pergola here, oh. and um, and that and that's really important because of the high amount of moisture. It helps to keep the airflow going, so the grapes don't get mildewed um, and those types of things. And so that's where that's why I mean, you, you everything has to be hand harvested. You just can't you can't mechanically pick those kinds of grapes. Um, and because you do tend to have varying levels of ripeness as well because of the, the unique, you know, um, climate that it's in. So, um, but this, this one is actually, the grapes are actually co they're blended, they're co-fermented together. Um, Mm -hmm. they're, they're, um, um, which is, which is really interesting because I mean, technically that would make it a clarette. Um, cofer you know co um co macerated and co fermented but um yeah so i mean for me that it's in this one you do get a little bit of those kind of like strawberry notes you know because of the of the, the belts uh that's part of
1: that and now a word from our sponsor did you know that Dracaena Wines has a wine club we named it the Chalk Club Draco is on our label but Vegas was getting a bit jealous so we decided he deserved to be our wine club spokesdog in Las Vegas betting chalk means that you are betting on all of the favorites and we're gambling that once you taste our wines we will become one of your favorite wineries The club is simple, yet a bit different than most. We don't ask for a lot of commitment like others do. Choose between three tiers. The Sweet 16, where you'll receive three bottles twice a year and get 25% off all orders. Sign up for the Elite 8 and get 30% off all orders and receive four bottles twice a year. Or make it to the final four and receive six bottles twice a year, as well as receiving 35% off all purchases. All tiers receive discounted shipping, are customizable, and are eligible for unlimited referral bonuses. Add $15 to your bank for each person you refer. Head to www.trasinawines.com or the link in the show notes to find out all the Chalk Club has to offer and to sign up. We've stocked the odds so that you can get our award-winning wines without breaking the bank. It's It's incredible to, like, how they do that, like just the concept so first of all i mean they can't like co-fermenting to me like it makes more sense when you're doing like a field blend type thing you're just taking everything um but these have to these have to ripen at different times so are they are they starting the fermentation of the zuri and then adding Uh, i mean it could be like a 50 50 mix it is, is it a
2: 50-50, man. 50, it is 50-50, and they just put all the grapes in together. And 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 to be honest, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I don't know how far apart. I'm trying to think, because this is a later, it's just kind of a, it's a late budding and a mid-ripening grape. Oh, okay. So, and um, Cab Franc.
1: is earlier
2: is a little earlier um you know so belts is going to be you know should be similar in that regard so um they may actually they actually pick them both around the same time right. period if not they may actually just keep them in a, in a cooler but right. um but it's not going to be that that long that okay. that much of a difference i saw that there was a question up here from from karen about um what months do they normally harvest
1: ah, there you go
0: and
2: yeah, cool. And so, I mean, because it is so cold, I mean, you're looking at later harvests. So you're looking at probably in the October, um, you know, September, late September to October, October. Um, especially in the coastal areas. If you're in the Atabaco area where it's more continental, it's a little warmer, then they're going to be harvesting a little sooner. But um, generally, I mean, it, they're definitely um, in you know, because, and, and the grapes are, they're like the, the, the Zuri, they're super small berries too. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, I mean, I I'm always amazed because viticulture is so foreign to me, even though I've studied parts of it. Um, I'm always amazed at at how they get everything just right. You know, right. Um, when you've got a vineyard that has different influences and, and, and all these kinds of things. So,
1: yeah, I'm thinking maybe they maybe they're also doing d- separate passes. So maybe they're harvesting they could be the Zuri for a white at one time, maybe leaving it on stem a little bit longer if they're gonna make the risotto, and then they're harvesting the belsa maybe a little bit earlier for the risotto. And then so it could also be done through multiple passes.
2: So. It, absolutely. No, it absolutely could. And, and I will say one of the things too about, I mean, the Belta that I was telling you about, cause I've had, um, Amma's Toy also makes, um, also makes, um, a hundred percent Belta, um, in, in, in the same, and it's in the Riesling bottle as well. It's the same, the same, uh, bottle and, um, uh, but it's a dark bottle and, and, um, and they still have that characteristic acid, um, of the region so you know because I mean Cabernet Franc in other parts of the world you know when when it's it's going to ripen fairly quite fully whereas here you know you still have a, you still capture some of that acid from you know from, from the grapes
1: and the harvest very cool I'm all happy to learn something else about Cabernet Franc that you
2: know. I know you are <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're the
2: Cab Franc queen <laughs>
0: there you go There you go. Awesome.
2: I've got a goddess and I've got a queen. So, there you (laughs) go. (laughs)
0: Hey.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) So, Rick, what is the relationship between Anna Zarabi, Zuri, and their Kruchin, the Corbu, Corbu Blanc, and I'm sure I'm not pronouncing them correctly, and Noah, and Noah's family the south of France? Is there any type of relationship or.
2: I think I would say with just an overall yes, they're all related in some way, shape, or form, whether they're synonyms of each other, um, which is generally more the case. Um, you've got, as I mentioned before, you've got Hondra Bizuri, which is DNA with genetically the same as Corbu Blanc. You've got Hondra Bizuri Zaradia, which is genetically the same as Petit Corbu. Um, but Hondra Bizuri itself is also. Um, um the synonym for the grape Crochen, okay. as well as the the American hybrid Noah. Um oh. and there's a genetic connection to that as well.
0: So Noah so, is an American hybrid?
2: It's an it's uh it's an American hybrid, yes. Oh yep. wow. Yeah and sounds
0: pretty American
1: Noah. We'll just yeah,
2: I don't it, know Noah. It does. It's like we're so we're so creative when we come up with the
1: name
2: and, and so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I mean, and I, I'm totally speculating at this point. But it, I mean, who knows? It could be one of the one of the the um, the the grape finds that, that went with Phylloxera that I, you know who knows? You know, um, for grafting. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to know how all these grapes get. You know, I, I'm fascinated by the genetics of of, of grapes. And, and you know, they're always learning, you know, we're always learning something new about them. But it, but to your it's a long answer to say, I don't know.
0: OK. Fair um, <laughs> enough.
1: Well, you know, so many. <laughs> and grapes, I don't know that anybody does. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's just so many grapes that have I mean, literally Cap Franc, I think, has 20 synonyms, you know, of where, you know, depending on where you are, what it's called. And right. that's one of the problems in the world of wine is that people think because you know oh I'm getting this and it ends up being the same that a uh, same grape variety they're just calling it different and I you know I've I've read quite a bit that people you know how many synonyms there are but you can't get rid of them yeah I mean am I, you know like Tempranillo how many names does Tempranillo yeah. have just within <laughs> yeah right.
2: Um, no, it's true. It's absolutely, it's absolutely true. And, and, and people, a lot of people only know that great by its synonym, right? They don't know it any other way. And, and so, I mean, that's where, that's what the struggle, you know, is as well. But, you know, fortunately, the, you know, the longer we go and, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I've been dying for the new edition, for a new edition of, uh, of, um, of wine grapes, but I haven't seen anything on it yet because, you know, there's got to be a gazillion updates to that. Since
1: right that now. last one. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to geek out a little bit. Um, so what, I mean, we know it's a maritime climate, but is there a specific like soil that, that they like, or, you know, you talked about potential for mildew. What are the, the main things that a winemaker needs to pay attention to. And I don't know if you could answer this question or not, but like there's usually some grapes are crazy in the vineyard and easy in the winery and others are kind of crazy in the winery and easy in the vineyard is, you know, is that? Yeah.
2: Um. So yes, the they grow in soil. Um- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, <laughs> that was good.
1: <laughs> um,
2: but generally, I mean, the the difference the different provinces have some similarities. You tend to see a lot of um, of uh, limestone subsoils, um, but you do see a lot of clay as well, and um, as well as you see some alluvial soils as well. And so you, the the soils for for the, for the grapes uh, tend to be very um, high in organic content. And, you know, and I think one of the, the, I was going to say if there were some struggles in the vineyard, uh, it would be the climate and, and having, you know, and I mean, even if these grapes are growing on, on the parals or the pergolas, I mean, you still have a lot of rainfall, you know? And, and so the, you know, clay is not the, you know, tends to hold water as well. I mean, so you have to be very, very careful there. And, um, I mean, now they do get, you know, some hours of sunshine and, and whatnot during the day. And so it, it generally, it's not an issue, especially the way the grapes are growing. They're not growing close to the ground. They're not, you know, they're probably at about five or six feet above the ground. And so they definitely have a lot of airflow going through, um, the the grapes are um, are high yielding and so uh, they you know they're at this point, I don't know that they do any green harvesting or um, or anything like that. I haven't heard of it uh, because the yields tend to be fairly generous in the regulations and um, and really I mean, you're not producing a wine that needs to have low yields because it's gonna age for five years and it's going to sit in the bottle for twenty. You know, you're making a wine from you know, grapes you just picked and you're putting them in the bottle and they're they're in somebody's glass within a year. Yeah. And, and so generally, you know, these these are now there are exceptions to that rule, of course, but but generally, you know, high yielding is good because they can produce more of this because I mean, the chocolate is so incredibly, has become so popular. Um, In Basque Country, it's always been popular, but not, and been around the world, it's just gaining in popularity at that point. So, um, so other than that, I think, um, I mean, I would say those are probably the biggest um, potential issues working in the vineyard. In the winery, um, from my understanding, the producer that I visited last year um it's a fairly easy grape to work with it's not oxidative it's not reductive it's you know um i almost feel like it's like a, you know going to the store and grabbing some green grapes in the bag <laughs> in the <laughs> stainless steel tank you know i know it's not that easy so if any chocolate producers ever watch this please that I was a joke <laughs> But it's, uh, you know, it tends to be a fairly um, baseline process, you know. I mean, and again, you're fermenting, you're going through alcoholic fermentation, and then you are capping the stainless steel tank, keeping the residual CO2, and then you
0: bottle it. So pretty much it doesn't see any oak or anything. It doesn't, does it spend time on its leaves, it's fermentated in tanks and then yeah, so,
2: yeah. So, I mean, and that's a really good question because it's one of the things that, you know, a lot of regions traditionally were just, you know, super light, you know, I mean, and this you kind of go through this with Albariño where it's like now you see all these crazy things coming out of, out of Rio Spice. And the same thing is true here. 99% <clears throat> is going to be this style that, that you're, you know, that we're drinking. But there are producers that are and that are doing uh, lees aging. There are producers that are that are toying with oak, and I would say generally what you're going to see in those, you're looking more like the fudras or large format barrels. Okay. Small barrels will not will not be kind to this kind of a wine. But um, I have over the past couple of weeks. I've been kind of lucky. I, I love. I mean, I'm I'm obsessed when it comes to finding new and different things, and so I collect. Um, and sometimes I, I actually open. Um, <laughs> but this uh, this is from that producer that does the red Donian Gorondona. It's called Eti I R I, and this is a 100% hundred percent 100 Missouri that's aged five months on the leaves. Okay. And it does not have that effervescence. So it's actually more of that white wine process
0: okay.
2: that you go through. Um, and this is actually from Biscayco, which actually has had a tremendous amount of changes in the last uh, couple of years. But this is it's free run juice um, and, and absolutely fantastic. I you think we'll not- see
0: any, anything in a cement tank.
2: I would not be surprised at all. Okay. Not at all. Uh, cement tanks actually. Um, a lot of producers like cement for fermentation um, because it's neutral. Okay. And and so, and I I, I would not be surprised even to see amphora um, mm-hmm. in in some of these kinds of in some of these kinds of things. But I think that you're seeing these regions. I mean, they've kind of mastered this style now. And now they they're making their money on this style, but it gives them the ability to now try um, and work with with some other other types of, of uh, styles.
1: So you had said that it's real. I mean, and it obviously is meant to be drunk young. These my, mine is a twenty twenty one, so it's it's meant to be drunk young. But with do the dos have the regulation. So if they're going to play with the lees, if they're going to play with, with the barrels or the fudras and stuff, does the DO, um, would they right, still be that? able to label that?
2: It, yeah. So yes. that's, that's actually a really good question and a perfect segue to, um, so this, this particular one I was talking about, the Edi mm-hmm. from Biscayco Chacolina um, in 2020, the region um overhauled their um their regulations and this is only in biscaico at this point and so uh, at the time the only red grape for example that was authorized was belza now cabernet franc and pinot noir are both authorized wow um and it makes sense especially with, i mean pinot not so much but cab Franc for sure because it's a parent grape you know right. But the other thing that they did, and this this wine actually falls into that category now, is they have a new uh, labeling system called Berziac Chocoli, and that's for wines that are aged on the leaves for five months or longer. So it's now part of the regulations. regulations. They also have additional styles that they've authorized. So wines made in amphora, wines made uh, via carbonic maceration. Um, they've got sparkling wines, they've got late harvest. And so you're seeing, obviously, there are producers doing this in the regions because now the, the they've done, there are enough of them that the regulations are changing to accommodate them to be able to label with the actual denomination of origin versus just labeling as vino de España. Right. That's a table wine.
1: So I don't think I'm sorry. I don't think no, you can you go hold, ahead. I just you go don't ahead, think you can hold back winemakers, you know, uh, like they, uh. they they get it. There's regulations for a specific DO, but they're going to experiment. And if they start to experiment and it becomes a bigger thing, the DO has got to adapt to allow. Right That you want to grow the DO, yep.
2: right and I think that, that that's I mean Biscayco Chacolina you know is really on the forefront of that in this part of of, of Spain. Um, I would not be surprised to see Guitariaco follow suit very soon. Um, guitarriaco was the first DO in the Basque Country and B, and Biscayco was the second and and so I would not be surprised to see to see that happening as well.
0: So is this widely distributed in the States? Because where I am in the land of misfits down here in South Jersey these days, <laughs> I I would never be able to find it. I mean, mine came via my UPS driver. So, I mean, and I go into the liquor store a lot looking for stuff. And I mean, is it widely distributed? Because a lot of people that are listening to this, yeah. where can they, you know?
2: Yeah. So when you go to the liquor store, Debbie, you have to move past the scotch aisle.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't drink scotch. <laughs> I don't either.
2: It was just the first thing that came to my mind.
0: Vodka, but not scotch.
2: I'm a gin guy. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it is, I mean, in the bigger markets, it's absolutely available. New York, Chicago, yeah. Miami, Los Angeles, San Francisco, wherever, you know? Um, It is, it's really, it is a little more hit and miss in the smaller markets. I mean, a lot of like wine bars, it's a really, especially in the summertime, it's a, you'll probably see a lot more of it like by the glass Mm -hmm. because it is such a great summer wine. I mean, but I would, I mean, for me, I would say if you, I mean, and I would encourage everybody. And if you go, you find some, don't just buy one bottle.
0: No, buy half a case or a case. You will
2: wish you absolutely, you will wish you had more. And so, I mean,
0: it's not not terribly expensive. No, generally in the
2: 15 to 20 bucks um, for a nice, I think both of these were in the 20, you know, 19 to 20 range. Okay,
0: mine was Um, under 15. Yeah.
2: And if you're going for like some of the more esoteric ones, like the red or something, this is probably, I think, was 22 or 23. Um, and then the E, the ED, I think was closer to 30.
0: This is that Lee's age, whatever,
2: but I would, I would look at wine searcher. I mean, I live on wine searcher. So wine searcher.com and just type in chocolate. I mean, you will find.
0: And it's spelled T X a K O L I.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And that's the Basque language where T's and X's live next to each other on a regular basis so
1: i think this is a psalm geek alert i think that if you if if you have a good psalm in a restaurant you're gonna find a chocolate on on the menu because it's something that they can geek out over and something that i think is enjoyable by a wine newbie Mm-hmm. Or somebody who yeah. is experienced with wine. It's just across the board a very appealing style mm-hmm. of wine.
2: Yeah, I com- I completely agree, and and I think you know I would tell you if you're go- if you go into a into a restaurant and you see it on the glass and the bottle, I would just buy the bottle to be bottle, honest with yeah. you, seriously, because I mean mm-hmm. by the time you've gone through a couple of glasses, you're like, doggone duck on it. I wish I would have just bought the whole bottle,
0: because right. it's and such a especially- crowd pleaser.
2: It's super easy.
0: In the summer, this will go great. All kinds of seafood: white fishes, clams, shrimp. You know, I don't do oysters, so I. But um, I don't know if it has. Yeah, probably would do well with oysters.
2: It's got that salinity. Yeah. And and uh, and so I mean, you know, they always talk about you know where the wine where the wines are made and where the vines grow, Mm -hmm. and you're right on the coast and. If you, you know, and you go into Basque country and you go into the, into these tavernas um, and, and you know, you see these, the pinchos, which is like, which are Basque tapas. So never go to a Basque restaurant and ask for tapas.
1: Oh, okay. they're,
2: they're pinchos, P-I-N-T-X. Here we go again. <laughs> oh, and so, um, but they're basically what they are is they're like, it's a, like a, it's like a tapa that's put on a piece of bread with a toothpick in it. And the way that they would do it is you would you would go, you would pick a bunch of pinchos, you would, they would count your toothpicks at the end, and they would charge you based on the number of toothpicks that you had. <laughs> and um, chocolate is the drink in these places. Um, so they go with the seafoods, like um, if you're looking like a, like a crab salad or, um, you know, like with the mayonnaise and, mm-hmm. and vegetables, um, like peppers and those kinds of things fried and fried seafood is as well
0: I had this past weekend crab ragoon grilled cheese Oof. this would have been awesome Oof. with it
2: that's awesome yeah and and so I mean it's a very yeah. versatile I mean, it's not it's no. not a red meat kind of wine no no, no now, definitely now, the red it. the red yes because it's it's a lighter fresher style you could totally do that. But not, um, but I mean, it's just, it is so versatile, especially when it comes to the sea. Um, and if you don't eat seafood, you know, like chicken or even just salads or rice dishes mm-hmm. or, you know, vegetables, those types of things. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, absolutely. And now it, doing a little reading on it, it said that Chocolat was actually used for trading purposes. What, what, are, what are we trading to get this great wine?
0: So,
2: so it, it um it, you know it's funny cuz the Chuckley actually goes back I think the I'm trying to think the first writings were back in the 10th century of of the wine and um and I mean wine has has been has been a trade has been used for trade for a long time um the dutch the english um, were always trading, you know, wine for whether it was wool or, or whatever. And, um, there was a, there was something I wanted to read you guys. Cause it was so fun when I read it. Um, and it was back in, and this has not has to do with trade, but it has to do with how important this wine has been historically back in 1397. During the general meeting of the Gibushkwa Guild, so this is um, uh, Gitariako. Okay, that's the. It's, they're all the same. They that um, the first bylaws of the province were approved, and item eighteen threatened anyone who destroyed the vines with the death penalty.
0: Yes, oh! <laughs> that's some serious stuff. There isn't that awesome. That is awesome. Maybe we'll,
1: maybe everybody who vines. keeps ripping up the ripping up the vines to plant them to cab sauv should be <laughs> or, under chardonnay.
2: That. or chardonnay um, right.
1: or chardonnay,
2: which incidentally is approved in the region. But uh, chardonnay and sauvignon blanc have been recently approved. But nobody's you know I don't I don't even know why they do those things because I mean the, the riesling is the is the only international grape that I really see. That has a home in this area, and I you'll okay. see, you know, a lot of times you'll see Hondry Missouri blended with Zoradia. Uh There's another one. There's another grape called Iskiriota, which is Gros Manseng from okay. France, and then you and Riesling, and you will sometimes see those those, you know, minor minor player players in a blend. Um, but but generally, I mean, this it goes to show you. I mean. I mean, it really could very well tie back to your question on trade, Lori. In that, in in the you know in the 14th century, people were were you know threatened with death to pull vines up. This is and it, what is it? I mean, it couldn't have been just a local consumption thing, you know. Right. It had to be that it was agriculturally significant in the region for for survival. Right. That
1: that is. I love that. I I do.
2: Item 18. Item 18.
1: Item Item 18. (laughs)
0: Item
1: (laughs) 18. Don't touch the grapes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Off off with your head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, Deb, you guys kind of started it, but what else? What else are your food? Yeah. uh,
0: For for people like me. (laughs) You know what, Laura? People like you, the vegetable, like fried rice with vegetables. Um, I can see, like, eggplant rollatini, okay. you know. Um, Do you not eat that... seafood,
2: Lori? No.
0: Okay. Was... Lori's got a very limited palate. Um, That's okay.
2: I mean, she lives in Fresno. I mean, it's like, <laughs> but, that, but that is also But anything vegetable-wise, cornucopia. this
0: would go broccoli salad, um, you know, kiwa, anything like kiwa, yeah. rice, orzo like orzo salad with lemon in
1: it. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, see, I, I got to pull out that lemon, pull out that lemon in something like, I mean, real. I would
2: mean, I mean, yeah. I think that's a great, I mean, I, a lot of times I I will do just like a, like pasta with some tomatoes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, some basil and a little squeeze of lemon and extra virgin olive oil.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, good. That, this is definitely the more. Uh, it's a seafood and vegetable wine.
2: It, it very much is, yeah.
0: Yeah, De- absolutely.
2: But but I mean, like a rice um, paella, or mm-hmm. you know, um, I mean a rice paella with vegetables. Yeah. You know would be would be spectacular. You know because you, you do have like you know the having the the texture of the rice that kind of full fullness of the rice with their really super light uh right. chocolatey i think it's a great combo as well
1: i'm wondering about because because of the acidity and stuff i'm thinking like a risotto with some yeah. um fresh shaved parmesan i don't know where like you know yeah. I think that would uh that would go well that would yeah be because you've got the
2: saltiness time. of the parmigiano reggiano
0: right yeah
2: and you want some
0: chef gus's risotto that would go well with that. yeah yeah so that, that, that's
1: what my mind went to. Is no, and that's great very, because so not refreshing.
2: everybody eats seafood. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, you can't assume that, you know. And it's I a mean, good
0: and uh, vegetarian wine.
2: Yep, absolutely. And, I mean, and you yeah. walk into a Pincho's bar, I mean, you're going to see a lot of seafood, trust me. But you're going to see a lot of vegetable. Like, I mean, even stuff like like a tortilla, the Spanish tortilla, the egg,
1: egg right. and the no yep. omelet. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, it's perfect. It's an app, you know, it's a great yep. appetizer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. That's what we made, Rick. That's what we made to celebrate me passing. Yes. Uh, the Spanish wine scholar. Uh, a friend of ours bought me a bottle before I knew I passed, bought me a bottle of, of, um, uh, Spanish, uh, Tempranillo. And, uh, and so Mike made me the Spanish tortilla And that's what we sat down and we celebrated, (laughs) we celebrated with that.
2: (laughs) I love it. I love it. Hey, anything Spanish works for me.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Now, and you have, this can be made also be, it's kind of a Frasante, but can it be in an actual sparkling
0: also? Yes, it can.
2: (laughs) I, I told you I came with pride. He it,
0: has a sparkling, yes.
2: Yeah, this is the Hidusta. Uh, this is uh, Brut nature. Okay. And uh, this one is from Gitariaku, Chacolina as well, 100%, Hondri, Missouri. And um, the, I mean, it's a um, traditional method. So just like cava, champagne, yeah. whatever. Um, and aged on the leaves for 14 months wow so like a traditional cava for example is 9 can months can we find
0: that in the states
2: yeah i got that here i got that um i think i got this from k and l
0: okay yeah,
1: Debbie's going to be on the computer later yeah.
2: <laughs> and and it's a and it's beautiful i mean i i mean you i mean you know just from tasting these these wines too that they just they're really, the acidity and they're really fresh, but it had a really nice creamy mousse to it. And it was aged mm-hmm. for 14 months on the lease. It's all disgorged manually okay. as well. Um, and so, I mean, you don't see, uh, Amos Toy actually does make uh, sparkling as well. I've seen they make the white and a Rosado um, of sparkling, both available in the U.S. too. So um, there's definitely they're, they're definitely I mean they're very limited. Um, it's like trying to get a sparkling wine from the Canary Islands, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. But um, but yeah, they they do they make them and and they're you know it's part of these regulations that have been that have been evolving over time that they're authorized styles as well to be able to carry the label of the appellation. Oh,
1: and since they're traditional, Debbie and I can saber them. That's right. Yes. <laughs> it's a traditional method.
2: It is saberable.
1: It is saberable. <laughs> That's very important to Debbie and I. Yes. <laughs> it's our addiction. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love it, though. Yes. Hey,
0: yes I love it.
2: <laughs> you, you'll never forget your first saber.
0: No. no. And I've saved all my, the tops. And at the restaurant this year, I had two little Christmas trees, and that's how you use those ornaments.
2: Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Hopefully nobody touched them and cut their hands.
0: Nobody did. I actually (laughs) did cut my hands putting it up. (laughs) No, (laughs) (laughs) No, works good. (laughs) That's funny.
1: (laughs) Well, we are actually over an hour, but is there anything we've missed that we need to let our listeners and our viewers know about Andorrabi Zuri or Pais Vasco.
2: I mean, I think, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I mean, this is just one of those wines that, I mean, they're amazing. And when you drink them at home, they're even better when you drink them in the Basque country, in the setting. And if anybody's going to Spain, you have to put San Sebastian on your, on your, to do list. I mean, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world for me. I am, um, it's, uh, but I mean, I, outside of, I mean, the, the amount of information, like we've covered a lot in this hour. And um, I would just say go online and find, um, find some of these wines and just enjoy. And if you want to learn more about this or about anything Spanish, then come take the Spanish Wine Scholar course. Um, How can they
0: find you on that?
2: So a um, couple different ways. So winescholarguild.org is our site where we have all of our information. You can reach reach me on Instagram um, at the Spanish Wine Guy. And um, and I'm happy to get information. We have a new class actually. The class that that Lori took uh, a year over a year ago uh, starts January 17th. So the next instructor led course starts January 17th Uh, reach out to me. I'll make sure you get all the info quickly so we can get a manual sent out to you. Um, But um, I mean, you know, Lori, has known me for a while when it comes to, and she's listened to me talk on, on this and I can never talk enough about Spain. I absolutely love it. I think it's the best country in the world. And, you know, I know you guys have to cover other grapes, but
0: (laughs) thank you for for finding all night and talk to you about spanish wine (laughs) because i'm a huge fan
2: i love it but yeah no at the spanish wine guy on instagram or uh, winescholarguild.org and um and i you know we can get you any information that you want um for that
1: and i just want to say like you know we we haven't gotten or i didn't get any compensation. Debbie did the Sherry specialist thing. Yep. There, there was no compensation for that. So this, this is yeah. just our true, you know, Gosh. opinion of, of it. It was, it was not an easy class. <laughs> it it's was not not meant sherry to class
0: wasn't easy. Either. You know,
1: it was not an easy class and it really made me think and study. And that was what I thought was cool was how you, Took, you know, we went across the country and went through each of the autonomous regions. But the bad thing is, in a lot of education, it's like, okay, here's Rias Baixas, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, here's Pais Vasco, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's no connection between them. And that's not the way the Spanish Wine Scholar program was set up. It, we, we traveled the country with a yep. connection throughout. Which for somebody like me you know, it makes it a lot easier and it's not something like I've memorized it for the test and I forgot it. You know, I actually understand stuff. Not to say I don't have to go back to the book and look things up.
2: We all do. But... Trust
1: me.
2: <laughs> no, we all do. Trust me. But uh, thank I mean, that's very, that's very kind, Lori. I appreciate it. And, you know, I mean, we spend a lot of time creating these courses and, and, you know, to your point, um, anything that's worthwhile is not easy. So, and it, I mean, it's great. As I mentioned at the beginning, we have a course starting in Malaga in the middle of April. We still have a few seats available for that, but I'm super excited. It's five days in um Can in I just Spain. go with
1: you to visit yeah. Malaga?
2: We're going to visit the <laughs> Sherry region one day. Um, and then we're going to do a half day in, in one of the sub zones in Malaga. We'll be tasting probably 70 or 80 or more wines from around spain over the course of the of the five days that we're doing the course so it's it's going to be a lot of fun but i mean if you if you can't do that obviously come and join us online Uh, we do also have an independent study we'll just
0: follow you on instagram
2: yeah seriously it's a lot easier that way because i I always talk about upcoming classes in particular plus um fun fun little gems that i find um and and, i mean it's almost always and they're always available in the u.s because that's where i find them so
0: Oh, that's good. And just for people for next month, um, next month, um, date will be determined because I have some travel plans and we'll have to work it out. Um, Miss Isabella and, um, which is no clue what that is. No it clue. isn't, a, a, it's, I know it's grown in New York, so I'm, I'm going to seek out somebody for that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i will not be i will not be volunteering for that no no no
0: i i have people in mind so um so stay tuned sign up for our newsletter and we'll uh let you know and i just want to
1: say thank you again rick i you know you are so generous with your time and your knowledge and um you know i'm so I never, whenever I think of a Spanish grape, I know I can come to you and, you know, you have the answers for me or whatever. So thank you so much for taking the time to thank you.
0: to talk about the wine with us, the grape variety and the region. And, and I have to say, I love sitting here and talking to you about all these Spanish grapes because it's just, I can, we can go on for hours.
2: No, we could. We absolutely could. And, and you know, everybody that knows me knows that that's true. So it's it's good that you have time periods that you have to
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you, because we are well over our time period. Well, thank you so much, Rick. Thank, thank, thank you. you to
1: everybody who joined. Salud. Salud. Thanks. Salud. Cheers. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoyt Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter at exploringthewineglass.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends because if you like the podcast, they will too. Podcast Music is Wine by Kevins. Until next week, slancha. Right now. Right now. I'm on keeping for my 10,000 tell you. There is always time.
0: nice glass right now